Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. This week's message comes from Pastor Brian Vaughn. So my name is Brian and I'm one of the pastors here at the River and um, I get... Uh, to spend a lot of time with our college students, young adults, 18 to 20-somethings. And um, I th- think it's such a cool time of life. It's one of my favorite times uh, in life. Uh, not that now is bad, everything's good. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, that, that age, you're really trying to figure out uh, exactly where you're headed and what life's going to look like. And uh, just wanted to take a moment and welcome any of you that are new college students uh, we're so glad you're here, our returning students. Uh, any of you that are in that age group, we uh, we have a thing we call the gathering, and we meet on Tuesday nights down at the other end of this building, and we have a meal, free food, every week uh, at 615, and then we worship and look at scripture together uh, at seven o'clock, and we have small groups that meet throughout the Throughout the week, so if if that's kind of the age group where you find your community, then we would love to invite you to come and join us. Our big kickoff is actually this week. We're launching all of our small groups this week, so um, we would love to come, uh, love for you to come and join us. So if you haven't been with us uh, before, if this is your first time, you haven't been here in a while. Um, first, welcome, and for all of you that are that are watching online today, welcome. We're glad that you're here. But we are going through the Bible together. And in Genesis, uh, in Genesis, in January, we started in Genesis at the very beginning. And we're going to go all the way through uh, until December. And we hit the last book of the Bible. And uh, I don't know if you knew it or not, but the Old Testament's long. And uh, we've been in the Old Testament this, this whole time. But I tell you, every time I read through, man, I just, I have this growing, greater appreciation uh, for the Old Testament and get to see how really the whole Bible, it follows one storyline that runs all the way through and that does point to Jesus. And we've been reading this past week, we've been in the prophet Ezekiel. And uh, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, that's where we're going to start in chapter one. Um, but as I was reading that, that there's, um, there's a concept or an idea that's that's been on my mind as I was Uh, thinking through that. And it's rebellion. Just think about that word. Think about what it means for a minute. Rebellion or being a rebel or rebellious. Um, Now, for us as uh, Americans, if you're in the room and you're an American, uh, sometimes rebellion carries a positive connotation, right? Uh, Because at one time, some people said, we are rising up in rebellion against a king across the sea so that we can be our own free nation, right? Uh, In fact, as I was thinking about this, I thought about Patrick Henry in one of his discourses when he was speaking to the Virginia legislature in March of 1775, trying to encourage them, hey, we got to step into this revolution thing. Like, we need to be a part of this. And he, and he says this, and I'll apologize beforehand if I, if I enter into this accent because it's just such a cool thing. Uh, he said, the war is actually begun. 
The next gale that surveys from the north will, will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. I wish I could talk like that. That's just so good. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand idle here? <laughs> Sorry. Is life so dark or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me or give me death, right? And you hear that and you're just like, yeah, let's go do something, right? Or fight somebody or whatever. And so that has a positive connotation for us. Maybe you're not a fan of history. Maybe you're a fan of science fiction and uh, Star Wars, any Star Star Wars fans out there. When we think of rebels, we think of rebel scum, right? That stood up against an empire and an evil emperor to set the galaxy free, right? But there's another picture of rebellion that may not be quite as positive to us. There's the two-year-old or three-year-old having been told not to eat another cookie after he's had three, and you can just see that look in his eye that says, how dare you, evil tyrant, deny my freedom to enjoy this most delicious cookie. Or maybe the rebellious teenager, maybe you've been there before, who is just trying to and wanting to break free from parental rule. Uh, rebellion or being a rebel can carry many connotations, but in the sense that we want to look at this morning, rebellion is open opposition to authority or to rule. And we mention that because as we've been going through the history of the nation of Israel, as we walk through the Old Testament, that's one of God's indictments against them, is that they're a rebellious nation. And this summer, we've been specifically in the, the kings and the prophets. And it's been 330 years, if you've been tracking with us, and at the point where Ezekiel enters into the scene, it's been 330 years since the nation of Israel or the kingdom of Israel broke into two kingdoms. Uh, now, I was with you, I got to speak with you back when that happened. So I just want to quiz you for a moment. First service passed glowingly. Let's see how you guys do. When they split into two kingdoms, there was the northern kingdom uh, that's called Israel from that point and the southern kingdom called Judah. Do you remember who became the king of the northern kingdom? That's right. Good job. <laughs> and who became king of the southern kingdom? Rehoboam, who was somebody's son. Do you remember that? Solomon, yeah, way to go. At least this side's doing great. I didn't hear anything from you guys. What's going on? All right, read more, okay? Um, thank you, guys. Well, uh, sorry. No, I know that you're just probably a little shyer over here. Didn't want to shout it out. Didn't want to make anybody else look, you know, like they didn't know, right? Uh, but good job. So yeah, you're right. Uh, but after this, after this division of the kingdom, this is this long line of of evil kings and people who did what was right in their own eyes or they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. And God was sending prophets to remind us people of the covenant that he had made with them and to point out that, look, you guys are being unfaithful to this covenant and you're turning away from me. You're not walking with me and reminding them, here are the consequences of stepping outside of that covenant of walking in your own ways. And eventually, what they saw was 
defeat and oppression and exile. A few years before the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel, they were overthrown and, and defeated by the Assyrians, and many of them were taken into exile. And now where we're at with Ezekiel, the southern kingdom is being overthrown and taken over by the nation of Babylon. And this is kind of the first deportation of some of the exiles, some of the people, uh, often many of them from kind of the the ruling class or the nobility or the priesthood, uh, some of those were taken into Babylon. And Ezekiel is one of those. And we pick up in chapter one, he's sitting on the side of a river in the nation of Babylon, many, many miles away from his home. And it says that he, the, the, the heavens opened and he saw a vision of God. And he sees this vision. He sees these four different creatures and they, they, they each have different heads and, and they're covered with wings. And underneath them, there's, there's these wheels and, and they're on their shoulders, on the shoulders of these four, four uh, creatures, there's this platform. And that's what we're picking up in verse 25. It says, as they stood with wings lowered, a voice spoke from beyond the crystal surface above them. Crystal surface is this platform that's like sitting on them, on their shoulders that they're carrying. And above the surface was something that looked like a throne made of blue lapis lazuli. Not sure exactly what, we think it's kind of some kind of gem, okay? Um, Kind of weird. We have never said that word outside of the context of the scripture. But anyway. And on this throne, high above was a figure, what appeared to be from his waist up, uh, whose appearance resembled a man. And from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like gleaming amber, flickering like a fire. And from his waist down, he looked like a burning flame, shining with splendor. All around him was a glowing halo, like a rainbow shining in the clouds on a rainy day. I love that descriptiveness. This is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. When I saw it, I fell face down on the ground and I heard someone's voice speaking to me. A couple of things here. First, Ezekiel says, it was like the appearance of the glory of the Lord. And the the word glory there in the original language carries this idea of weight and significance. And so when Ezekiel is confronted with the significance of the glory, of the, the appearance of, of the Lord, he falls face down. One other little note, and this is just for free. Uh, when you have time, go to Revelation chapter one and read the description of the glorified Jesus. It looks a whole lot like this. The Bible's so cool, guys, I'm telling you. If you read it, it's cool. Let's go on, chapter two. Stand up, son of man, said the voice. I want to speak with you. And the spirit came into me as he spoke and he set me on my feet and I listened carefully to his words. Son of man, he said, I'm sending you to the nation of Israel. A, what does it say? Rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. They are a stubborn 
and hard-hearted people. But I'm sending you to say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And when they listen or refuse to listen, <laughs> I think this is funny, it's kind of sad. Because remember, they are rebels. At least they will know that they have had a prophet among them. God says, Ezekiel, this, this is the message that I want you to, to give them. You're a rebellious people. You've been walking in opposition to me for your whole existence, from the time that I made a covenant with you, from the time that I called you to be my people. And in that rebellion, in that rebellion, Rebellious spirit, you've become stubborn and hard-hearted. The first truth this morning that I think we need to mention is this, that rebellion against the Lord hardens our hearts. Rebellion against the Lord hardens our hearts. You can't see, this is stone, right? Probably about the size of a heart. That's about right. Yeah, it works. And the history of humanity kind of follows this, this storyline. We think back to Genesis chapter three. In the beginning, God created humans to reign and to rule with him. And he put them in a garden to tend and to, and to take care of. And he said, I will walk with you. This is what it looks like, and I know what's best for you. Here's, here's everything that I want you to do. Here's a couple of things that I want you to stay away from. And just like that two or three-year-old, what did they do? The one thing they want, he, God told them to stay away from because he knew what was best for them. They said, no, that's what we want. And from that moment, humanity was rebelling against God. And that rebellion began to harden their hearts. We see it in, in their kids, those first humans, their kids, they're killing one another, and it just gets worse and worse and worse until Genesis 6, God says, he saw that the intention of man's heart, of humankind's heart, is only evil always. Because they wanted to define for themselves what was good and bad and right and wrong, and they wanted to walk their own ways instead of God's. Okay, now, we've mentioned this several times over the course of this year because that continues to be the storyline of Scripture, that God wants people to walk with him and to walk in his ways and to have relationship with him. But they want to walk their own ways. And God gives them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, chance after chance after chance to turn back to him. But their hearts are hardened because they're rebellious people. And we're kind of the same, right? It's easy to look back at them and say, man, they, they were idiots. <laughs> God had so much for them, but yet they wanted to. But we do the same thing, right? Have you ever experienced this? That Maybe that, that first time where you, you had a rebellious moment or a disobedient moment. 
Maybe it was as your kid or maybe as an adult, things you know that weren't good for you. But the first time you do it, you're like, I just can't, I, this is hard, but yet I want to step into this. And, and you do it. And then, and then the next time it's, it's a little easier. Next time it's a, it's a little easier. And at some point, it's completely walking in what's not God's best for you. That's because our rebellion hardens our hearts. And we end up with this hard stone. When I was growing up, I think I kind of had this view of God. And this view of myself that, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm not too far away from God. You know, if this is, this, is, this is the throne of God, this is the heart of God here in the center, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. I'm not nearly as bad as some of my friends that I go to school with, man. They are this far from God. So I'm, I'm not that bad. And then there's you know, we, we label people that we think are the worst, the evil of the evil, right? And they wait, like, they, they're so far from God. I think the message of Scripture is, no, there's, there's no levels of being far from God. You're either a, a rebel, and you've turned your back on God, or you're not. And the thing is, what Scripture teaches us as if we're all rebels. We all, when given the opportunity, choose to walk our own way instead of God's way, apart from Christ, apart from Jesus. The next few chapters of Ezekiel, uh, God asks him to do some really bizarre things to, to get his message across, he, he has to make this little model of Jerusalem, comes in and like smashes it. It's, it's pretty crazy. And then he calls him to, to lay on his side bound for, for over a year, all the, all the time cooking his food over poop. Sorry, it's really there. I know you're like, what? Yeah, it's really there. They call him, cut off his head. It just does crazy things. And, and in the midst of that, he says, and, and here's the good news, or actually here's the bad news. You're going to do all this, Ezekiel? You're going to do what I call And Ezekiel did it. He did what God asked him to do. He brought these messages. He did these bizarre signs. He says, but they're not going to listen to you. Like, thanks, God. Let's just get on with the judgment part, you know? But he continued to be faithful. But then we get to chapter 11. If you want to turn over a few pages. And going back to what we talked about at the beginning of Ezekiel, where he saw this vision of the, the, the appearance of the glory of the Lord, and it was on this mobile throne, right? It's being carried by these creatures. You see, for the Israelites, their understanding of the presence of God was that the presence of God resided in the temple 
in the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem. Like that's where God hung out. That's where he was. That's where they, they would go around the temple to, to, to worship him. The, the, the high priest could go into this Holy of Holies and, and be in the presence of God one time a year. That was their understanding. And so the fact that Ezekiel is seeing this vision, he's in Babylon and seeing that God's mobile, he's on the move, the presence of God is on the move. That was like, whoa, what's going on here? And this is what's being addressed here in chapter 11, starting in verse 14. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, the people still left in Jerusalem are talking about you and your relatives and all the people of Israel who are in exile. And they are saying, those people, the exiles, those people are far away from the Lord. So now he was given their land to us. So not everyone was exiled. Not everyone was taken into Babylon. You have these people that are left back in uh, Jerusalem, back in, in Judah. And, and they're saying, hey, well, clearly, since the Lord's here and you're there, he's left you. He's here with us. We get your stuff. And so the Lord says, tell the exiles this. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Although I have scattered you in the countries of this world, I will be a sanctuary to you during your time in exile. I, the sovereign Lord, will gather you back from the nations where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel once again. You see the message of hope? He's like, hey, even though you're gone, I'm coming with you. I will be your sanctuary. I will be your refuge. He's using this temple language. He's like, I'm not confined to this temple in Jerusalem, to a location. I'm where my people are. He goes on. He says, when the people returned to their homeland, they will remove every trace of their vile images and detestable idols. And that's been the, their big thing this whole time is they were worshiping other gods. They're running after other idols. He said, they're, they're gonna remove those, every trace. In verse 19, I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. So they will obey my decrees and regulations. They will truly be my people, and I will be their God. But as for those who long for vile images and detestable idols, in other words, those who continue to run after other gods, I will repay them fully for their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. He said, I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender response. Another translation says, I will take from them their hearts of stone and give them a heart of flesh. This is the second truth this morning, that the Lord transforms our hearts as we give up our rebel ways. Our rebellion against the God hardens our hearts and gives us hearts of stones. 
But as we turn from that, he gives us a new heart. One that's not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh, a heart that is alive. As we give up our rebel ways. Jesus' word for that is repent. In Mark 1.15, where he's, he's, Jesus has come to the scene and he's gone public, he says, the time promised by God has come at last. And a lot of that's the time that the, all these prophets talked about. He said, the time is here, it's come. He says, the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Repent. Turn from your rebel ways. Stop the direction you were headed and turn around and come back to me. And as you do that, the Lord does something. He does something in our hearts. My wife is a, is a nurse and early in her career, uh, she worked in the cardiac critical care unit of a children's hospital. And uh, they saw some of the, just the most heartbreaking cases. In fact, I would go up to visit her. I could, I I'd always leave in tears. I don't know how they did it. They're special people to be able to work in that, in that kind of field. And uh, so, man, most of the kids they had were born with, with birth defects, with heart defects, and uh, so some of them uh, were waiting for a new heart or they had holes in their hearts. And at one point, um, as she worked there, she got to sit in on a heart transplant. And it's, it's amazing. One, it's amazing the way that God designed our bodies and the way that they can uh, take on, like it, you take on an, another heart. And the body can take that and receive it and grow. It's amazing to me. But she's, she's uh, explained the process to me. In fact, we started nerding out a little bit on it. We were watching videos last night of heart transplants. I thought about bringing one in and showing you, but uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I saw that shudder. Yeah, yeah, that was me. Uh, so we're not going to do that. But I want to explain just a little bit of the, the, the process. So they, the, the person who has a diseased heart, one that basically is not going to work and it's not going to keep them alive. And so um, when they're able to, to, to receive a heart, they, they have them on the table and they, they cut open and they crack open their chest. And you know, that was the nasty part. Um, and then they hook, they hook their, their, their circulation system, their, their blood and all that is, is, is routed through a heart and lung machine that essentially acts as the heart while they're removing the old one. And so they get you all hooked up and that, that machine's helping keep you alive. And so they cut out the old heart, the old disease hardened heart, and they set it aside. And, and, you know, there's been a heart. There's been a tragedy that provides a heart, right? There was a donor that paid the ultimate price with their lives. But they had chosen before that point to say, if I can help somebody else, I want to. So they take this fresh heart, they put it in, 
and they begin to suture and then sew up, whatever. I don't know all the terms, but you know, they begin to connect it, which get that just even in itself blows me away. And then Meredith said, as they were sitting there, you know, the whole room is literally holding their breath. Just waiting to see if that new heart is going to start pumping, right? And then it does, and it keeps going, and it's bringing life, and eventually they can disconnect the, the, the heart-lung machine, and, and that heart is pumping in that that blood and just providing new life. To me, that's a, that's a picture of what God does with us. He takes our old, stubborn, rebellious, hardened hearts. And if we get to a point to where we come before him and we say, I realize the rebel that I am. I realize my, my need for you that, that I cannot go living. I will literally, spiritually, physically, everything die with this heart. I need a new heart, God. Then he puts us on that table. He opens us up, takes out this heart of stone, And because there was one who gave his life that we might have life, takes his heart and puts it inside of us. And that new heart begins to beat, bringing new life. My question for you this morning, the first one is this. Have you gone through that process? Have you had this spiritual, this heart transplant where you turn from your rebel ways and you ask God to come and give you a new heart? Because the journey starts there. It's, it's, it's that simple. It's not easy, but it's that simple that you step and you say, God, I'm a rebel. And I want to begin to walk in your ways. And then his spirit inside of us, the, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead, the power of the Holy Spirit that, that comes and, and allows us and gives us the power, gives us the wherewithal to walk in his ways instead of our own. And I, maybe you came in here this morning and, you know, that, that hasn't been your story, but you want it to be. It just takes that first step. But I would say that probably a lot of us in the room, maybe the most of us in this room, like, man, I've been there, that, I've, I've made a decision to follow Christ, like, that's what I want uh, with everything that I am. I'm, I'm, I'm walking with him. Yes, I've, I've had that, that, that transformation in my heart. But you know what? There's still, we're still living this life in the flesh. Like there's still these parts, these areas of our life, if we're not careful, that are still a little bit rebellious or a little bit hardened. Maybe by 
that rebellious spirit, maybe by bitterness, maybe by unforgiveness, maybe by, you name it, whatever it is. There may be something worth asking the question, God, is there some place, is there some area of my life where I'd rather walk my way than your way? And I think daily, continually, we still need to ask, Lord, reveal those places in my life. Because, man, I don't want a hardened, diseased heart, right? I want a life, I want a heart that, that does what it's supposed to do to bring me life. Paul, in a, in a letter to the Roman church in the New Testament, in chapter 12, he writes this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And that was his indictment against the nation of Israel, that you guys are not worshiping the one true God. You're running after all these other gods. You're worshiping them by giving them your lives, by giving them your sacrifices. And Paul says, no, this is the way to worship God. You offer him all that you are. He goes on, he says, don't copy the behavior of the customs of this world. Again, that's what Israel did. They wanted to be like all the nations around them. And they copied what they did. He said, don't do that. As Paul's talking to the church there, and I think the message is for us here. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So don't conform to to the the things around you, the, the things that are clearly in opposition to the ways of the Lord, which bring life, Lord, right? Don't be conformed to what brings death. Be conformed to what brings life. Allow the Lord to transform your heart and your minds, the way that you think, the way that you live, everything. Because that's his heart for us. It's hard for you to walk in life, to walk in peace, to walk in hope, walk in victory. And I think it takes us truly daily just submitting ourselves and surrendering and saying, God, is there anything in me that's hardened? And if so, would you reveal that to me? Would you speak that into me? So I want to give you a practice for this week, something to do, something to think about. And for those of you that have been around me very long, first, set aside some time to sit in silence with the Lord, okay? And maybe you already have that regular time, and I hope you do, and that's awesome. But if you don't, set aside some time, sit in silence with the Lord, and ask him to reveal the places in your heart or the places in your life that might be hardened, 
or rebellious. Just give him the space to speak into your heart. And ask him, how, how, Lord, Lord, how do you want to transform those places? How do you want to set me free? And I think the silence part, the, the, the solitude is so important because in my experience, very, very seldom is God getting my attention in a loud, boisterous way. Very seldom is like, hey, stupid. <laughs> hey, God, probably, well, I don't know. He might say that if I'm being stupid. Hey, stupid, you know, stop doing this or stop walking this way or stop believing these lies. You know, that's usually not how God speaks. Usually it's as we quiet our souls and our hearts. He says, hey, beloved, my son, my daughter, look at this. Look at this place. Look at this lie. This is not my best for you. That's why I think it's so important to set aside that time, that silence, so that we can hear the Lord and give him the space to transform our hearts, to change the way we think. So let's give him time to do that. second, we're going to sing this song. It's called uh, Tethered to Your Heart, right? Tethered, tethered, yeah. But the, the gist of it is, Lord, I, all I want, like there's nothing more that I want than for my heart to be tethered to your heart and to live in that and to walk in that. And at our time of response this morning, we're, we're going to stand in just a moment and just want to kind of give God space to begin to speak some of these things. And maybe the response is just to, to think about these words, to sing these words, and to say, Lord, I want this to be my heart, my prayer. But also mention, maybe you're coming in this place and like, you know, my heart hasn't been transformed. I have a heart of stone right now. But I don't want to stay there. If you'd like to talk to somebody about that, we're going to have some folks that are back here. There's a prayer room back here. Uh, some folks will stand around there and they would love to talk to you or if you need uh, someone to pray with you. If you're online, uh, we have people ready to, to talk to you if you have questions. And so take this time to go and, and, and talk to somebody and to, and to pray with someone. But for the rest of us, let's just begin to ask that question. Lord, is there somewhere in my heart? And after we've given time for that, then I'll come back and pray. And then we've got a couple announcements after that. Let's just give some space to to focus our, our hearts on what God may want to do. Okay, let's stand up. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings 
as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.